Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Welcome back to the Fearless Vampire. I am so excited to introduce you guys to seriously a force to be reckoned with. This is Anne Britt. Anne Britt is a self-expression and business coach for ambitious, spiritual female entrepreneurs. Her story is just like absolutely incredible. We met at a wedding probably three years ago, and I'm just so excited for you to be here today, Anne Britt. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you so much, Taylor. I am so excited to be here with you. Um, Yeah, we did meet like, it was like two and a half years ago, something like that. Um, Right after I started this business, actually, which is amazing. It was kind of like when things were first taking off for me. I'm so excited. And I I remember like sitting with you because you were in the bridal party and Mike and I were shooting and I was super pregnant. I don't remember. It was probably with Dawson with with my second. And I sat down with you at dinner and you just like, you probably spent 40 minutes telling me about what you do, who you serve. And I could just, I could feel so much powerful energy coming from you. So I'm so excited to hear more about your story today and to share what you do with the world with our listeners. So I want to hear, let's start like right at the beginning. You are from Buena Vista, correct? You grew up here? No, I am actually from Truckee, California. You are from Truckee. Okay. So how, what's your connection here? Because I totally thought that you grew up here. I went to the University of Denver with Lexi, who grew up in Buena Vista. So I spent tons of time while I lived in Colorado going to Buena Vista with her, became really close with like her whole community there. I absolutely love it there. I was I was gonna say you seemed like such a local because you just yeah. knew everybody and everybody <laughs> knew you. A B. Everybody was so yep. excited for A B to be there. <laughs> okay, so tell me, like tell me about your story. How what were you doing before you became this amazing female entrepreneur and how did it lead you to this to this coaching business? Yeah, I love this question. We'll see what version of the story comes out today. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a little bit different, but you know, I had this moment. This is where we'll start today. I had this moment when I was in my first sales job. So I went to school at the University of Denver for business. Honestly, because it seemed like the practical decision, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then by the time I graduated, still had no idea what I wanted to do. And there was a there was an, a master's program to get an MBA. And I was like, well, I'll just do that because I still don't know what I want to do. So I got my master's and realized like I loved the business world. I loved marketing. I loved branding. I loved all of that. I had this feeling like I could potentially start my own business, but it wasn't until I was working at this corporate office in Denver, this place called Zen Planner, and we supported like fitness studios, yoga studios, gyms, stuff like that with their management software. So I was always talking to business owners, talking to yoga teachers, and I had this moment. I remember it so vividly of being like, huh. I wonder if I could help yoga teachers run their business. Like if I could support business owners. And then I was like, I wonder what it would be like to be a life coach. And it was just this fleeting thought for like two minutes. And then I never thought about it again. And it was just so funny because I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like a business coach, (laughs) a life coach. I don't even know. And then it became very, very clear to me that I was not meant to work for somebody else. I had this grand plan that I was going to become a yoga teacher myself. I was going to move to Mexico. I really craved this life of freedom. I really craved the travel, the having your own schedule, just living life on your own terms. I was like, 
that is what I know that I want right now. And I would like see people in my life, living that life, traveling, like living the dream essentially. And I was like, how do I do that? So the first thing that came to me was, okay, I'll become a yoga teacher. I've also, just like I said, I grew up in Northern California. A lot of people here trim weed to make money. Yep. <laughs> um, like the cannabis business is huge here. So I was like, okay, that's my plan. I'm going to go trim weed. I'm going to make a bunch of cash and then I'm going to just move to Mexico. So I did that. It all worked out so seamlessly, like literally every single piece that I wanted showed up better than I could have imagined. That was my true first experience with like manifestation and the universe being on your side when you really go after what it is that you desire with like full trust. And so that's what I did. I was like, this is what's happening. So I moved to Mexico, became a yoga teacher. It was great. And then I ran out of money. <laughs> like, oh my okay, <laughs> like, this gypsy yoga lifestyle doesn't really work very well when you're not making much money. So I came home and again, things just seemed to work out so perfectly. I was connected with a friend of a friend who was starting a business. I became the brand manager, worked for him for a couple of years. But then that same thing happened where I was like, I'm not meant to work for someone else. I'm just not. And at that point, I had a lot of experience with social media, a lot of experience with small business. So I started my own, my first business, I've owned a few businesses. My first business was a social media management company. Mm-hmm. And that was great. You know, it was working. But at the same time, I was part-time manager of a yoga studio and also teaching yoga. So it wasn't like, it didn't like take off. And it wasn't my true passion. I was like, I don't really love doing social media for other people, but I'm good at it. I get it. Other people don't want to do it. So I'll do it. And then I actually was invited into a network marketing business. And I always say like network marketing is kind of like the gateway drug to a lot of entrepreneurs. It's where a lot of (laughs) women get their start. And for me, I was like, that was when it really clicked. That was when I was like, oh, wow, you can make a lot of money. You can have a life of freedom. You can connect with incredible other humans. That's when like my personal growth, personal development really got taken to another level. Like that was when I I felt that fire and I felt that hunger and I saw what was possible. And I also saw how many other people wanted it, but were struggling with being seen, struggling with fear of judgment, and then also struggling on the business side. Like how do I have an online business? How do I use social media to build a brand? How do I sell? How do I market? And I was really good at coaching women through all of those things, but I was only able to support the women on my team. And I was like, I don't want to just limit myself to only working for people within this organization. People come to me with so many business questions, so many social media branding sales questions all the time. So I was like, all right, I'm going to create a course that anyone can buy that is an Instagram course. It's just going to be for people to support businesses who want to use Instagram to grow their business and to sell. Well, what ended up (laughs) happening was I hired hired a mentor who completely changed my life. She was like, you're not here to just make an Instagram course. You're here to like grow a business. And my very first course I worked with her to create was like a high ticket mastermind that I sold out and just kind of the rest is history. That was like the beginning of my my business. That was August, 2019. And the way that I love to look at it is like, I did not follow any rules. I honestly Mm -hmm. didn't even really have any idea what I was doing. Like a $3,000 three month mastermind program was the very first thing that I sold. Like looking back, I'm like, that's crazy. But I was just like, I'm going for it. This is what's happening. Oh my gosh. So, so I feel like with entrepreneurs, there's, there's two camps, right? There's either the people who have an idea and they run with it and then they realize all the benefits as they're going, or there's people who see the benefits first and they go, how do I make that happen? And I love that like yep. you saw this entrepreneur life that you wanted and you needed to find a, a vessel to get there. So like how you have such a niche down community 
and you serve them so intimately. How did you start finding the clients that, and not just finding them literally, but how did you find that peace in yourself to be like, this is who I'm meant to work with and tell us more about what you do and who it is that you serve. Yeah. So it really at the beginning was all about supporting other women who wanted that same kind of freedom. I really, I started my business for myself, for my own freedom and for that lifestyle. And that was what I spoke to. And that was kind of why I created my mastermind in the beginning. It was like, this is how you too can create an online business so that you can have the life that you desire. But my way of showing up online, my way of teaching, my way of being in general is very self-expressed. Like I can't, I can't put it any other way. Like I sing and I dance and I bring fashion and style and just this unapologetic flavor of being you and owning who you are and loving who you are and also doing the work, you know, the inner work behind the scenes to be able to get to that place where you feel worthy, where you feel like enough, where you no longer apologize for any pieces of who you are. And I was able to see that a lot of the women coming to me we're at the beginning of their business. And the biggest thing holding them back was this fear, this fear of what other people would think, right? The biggest thing I truly believe the biggest thing that holds so many people back is the fear of what other people will think, right? So if you could remove one thing, like completely remove one thing, one obstacle that stands in the way for women launching their dream business, would that be it? Yeah. Well, it would be, do not let the fear of what someone else thinks stop you. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome that? Because that's like, it's one of the reasons I think most women don't pursue an entrepreneurial journey. Like what were some of the challenges and like limiting beliefs that you had to overcome personally? Because you do show up in such a sincere and real way on your social media and in your business. But like that doesn't just happen overnight. That takes a lot of soul work. How did you like, what, what were some of the big things that you had to overcome? Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of work. Like when I was in, when I was growing up, I was that person who was so afraid to be myself and just, Mm -hmm. My entire way of being was trying on other people's ways of being because I thought that that is what would make me acceptable, right? That's what would give me the love, the praise, the popularity, whatever it was that I desired. And it's really interesting to think back on this because it's there wasn't just like one moment where I was like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But it was real. It was the the times where I felt supported by the people around me. I felt seen by the people around me. I stopped spending time with people who I felt like I had to be someone else around. And I found a community of people in high school and then in college and then after college who really saw me as who I was and honored and celebrated that, which allowed me to feel so much more safe to show up as that authentic version of me. And then I also did a lot of inner work of looking back at like, what was it that I experienced as a child? You know, the trauma that we all go through that made me think that I wasn't enough. Right. And so I worked with, I worked with mentors. I worked with coaches. I worked with healers. I really sought out support around that and did it for my own sake, but also really knew that that was part of what I call my sacred responsibility on this planet. I was like, I know that I am meant to heal this for myself because then I get to walk with others through their own healing of this. And that is what I truly believe will change the world is women who are unapologetic about who they are and what they're here to do. That is truly what is going to change the world. I love that. And I love that you have, you've, you've said that like, you know, between manifesting and then surrounding yourself with people who could support those dreams and that direction you were going in. Can you talk more about that? Cause manifesting has been kind of a theme that's come up a lot on, on the podcast. 
And I know like, like you're marrying two very intimate worlds for, for women, self-expression and business. It's really hard to marry those. And I do think that a lot of it comes down to who you surround yourself with, but also what you believe about yourself and what, what you're manifesting, what energy you're putting out. And I know that that's a lot of the work that you do. So what is your approach to that? And what, what did that manifestation journey look like for you over the last few years? Yeah, well, like I was saying before, my first experience with manifestation, I wasn't even, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like Mm -hmm. that was in, that was in like 2014, 2015 and manifestation, at least the worlds that I was a part of, it wasn't really something that was talked about quite as much. And for me, the biggest thing that it was almost like this just intuitive knowing And a rule that I really followed that has guided me every step of the way is when you follow what you know in your heart is what you desire, and when you follow what you know in your heart is what you are meant for, no matter how scary it is, no matter the fear of judgment, no matter what other people say, like when you really truly follow and and pursue that, the universe has your back. Like the universe will provide, like there's no possible way that it's not going to work out. It's either going to work out the way that you want it to, or even better. Right. And so that was my very first experience, belief system, methodology around manifestation. So I was like, just continuously got really, really clear on what I wanted and then did the work and surrounded myself with the right people, whether it was friends, peers, or coaches that would help me continue to like, I don't want to say fearlessly, because I don't think fearlessness exists, but courageously pursue, right? Like the word courage is huge for me in my business, in my mission, in everything. It's like, we're not here to be fearless, (laughs) right? Right. Because doing things and doing things that you're not scared of, where's the praise or I don't know if that's the right word, but like, that's not hard, right? Right. It's not hard to do things that you're not afraid of. It's hard to do things that you're afraid of, but you do them anyway. And so, yeah, going back to manifestation, that was my first experience. That was my first methodology of doing that. And then I really started looking into self-worth and self-love and how you see yourself and your own energetics with yourself and how that truly dictates how everything and everyone else around you responds to you. And so that set me off in this whole other realm of healing that I think really was the first step into that authentic self-expression. Because it's like, if there's parts of you that you are hiding, parts of you that you don't think belong, parts of you that you don't think are worthy then that is going to energetically hold everything that you want at an arm's distance. Yeah. So how can you get to that place where you are so wholeheartedly in love, in trust, in worth with yourself? And that opens up the doors to manifesting what you desire and also the courage to walk in your fullest self-expression, which again, that's what magnetizes your desires. And in the business world, that's what magnetizes your soulmate clients. That's what magnetizes the abundance, like all of it. Right. Right. So, so you had told me and Britt that like your approach, I, I guess is what I would call it. And I just love how you like worded this was, um, we sprinkle in bad bitch energy, deep mindset work, inner child healing, embodiment, and tools to develop your own unique business strategy. So I'm curious, do most of the women that you work with, do they come in with like a clear vision of what they want to do? Or is that something that they hope they find in the process of working with you in, in, in like focusing on their own healing and self-acceptance and self-love? Like, do you feel like there's a common thread on what happens during that experience that they find what they want to do once they're in it? How does that usually look for you? It really depends on the container in which someone is working with me in. However, I do believe that no matter what level someone is at, no matter what, if it's a program, 
if it's a digital course, if it's a live group training, if it's a one-on-one container, the women that I work with always leave feeling more clear and more confident because no matter what it is that they come to me with, just the way that I operate and the way that I work with humans, we unlayer what is like, where are you standing in your way? Where are you essentially like still giving a fuck what other people are going to think? Where are you not still fully owning and claiming and standing in your movement, your business, your CEO identity, your magic and medicine, and like what you're here to do in the world? So, what I like to say is like, I always have this, this vision, like a literal vision in my mind, like of my vision that I'm bringing forth into this world is like a woman standing kind of like right at the doorway of a cave. And she's still in the shade. She's still in the darkness of the cave. And then through working with me, she really steps out fully into the light to let the sun shine on her so that she can then radiate that back out into the world. And that's what I really see as like a fully self-expressed unapologetic brand is the woman whose internal light and internal sun is shining as bright as it possibly can. There's no dimming, there's no hiding. And that is what really allows you to have the success that you want, right? And so, of course, every person's different, whether it's working on strategy or money mindset or branding or content or whatever it may be. But like through all of it, it's that stepping out of the darkness and fully into the light and maybe for the first time ever, like letting yourself be not only seen, but like fully heard, fully witnessed, fully exposed and fully celebrated. That's so beautiful. And it's funny that you mentioned the cave, Ambrit, because I'm reading a book by Dave Asprey. My second love after photography is nutrition. Um, and it's called Fast This Way. And he's he, he actually talks about caves in the book and how caves have always been, even in like mythology, it's just this space where people go for real transformation. Like it's it's a space mm-hmm. of healing. It's a space of transformation right before you exit as a completely new person. So it's so funny that you mentioned the cave because that's been such a repetitive just visualization in this book that I'm reading right now. So that's that's so beautiful. Where are a lot of the women that you work with on an emotional level? Are they at like a breaking point? Are they eager and excited and ready for change? Or are they at their last possible straw where they're like, I've done everything I can. This is my last option. And not in a bad way, but do you feel like a lot of the women that you work with are just eager and excited? Or do you feel like they're at a point where they're broken and they need to feel whole and complete? The women that I work with for the most part are eager. They're like, I have this thing inside of me. I have more to offer. And whether they've already been in business for a couple of years or whether they're at the very beginning, it's women at the, I say the edge of a Mm -hmm. breakthrough. It's like they're, they're reaching for it. It's there. They can taste it. That next level of wealth, that next level of impact, that next level of ownership and commitment. And what I call myself is an activator. Like you have it within you. I'm just there to activate it. So I'm not fixing anything because I don't believe anyone is broken. I'm not giving you anything that you don't have. I'm just there to activate the leader within you, to activate the bad bitch within you, to activate the unapologetic, fully self-expressed version of you because it's all there. It's not this reaching for something outside of myself. And that's actually something that I'm really, I've been kind of in this place of observing. And now I'm, I'm feeling ready to start talking about it within the coaching industry is it can be so easy to reach for a coach, to reach for a course, because it's almost like the easy way out. 
It's like, oh, this is the thing that's going to help me. This investment, this coach, this program is going to get me to that next level that I've been trying so hard on my own when in reality, so often it's that behavior right there that is keeping you where you are. That belief that it's something outside of you that is going to get you there. Coaches are incredible as guides, as um, examples, as evidence, as support systems, as I have this skill set that you may not have, so learn it from me. But if you're reaching out as a desperate plea to be like, you do it for me. Like you, all I have to do is hire you and then everything else will happen. Like it's just not true. And I feel like there's a lot of investing happening from a disempowered place. And so I actually really, really, really make it a point to use the language in my selling and in my marketing of allowing people to hire me from an empowered place. That's amazing. And really speaking to the woman who's like, I'm so excited for help. I'm so ready to step into this. I'm ready to do the work on my own. I am here to do whatever it takes. I am willing and I am committed because that's the, that's the energy that I'm here for. Like (laughs) that's what it takes. That's really what it fucking takes is this declaration of I'm doing this no matter what, and I'm not going anywhere. And I see that you hold that same energy and you're a couple of steps ahead of me. So I'm going to bring you in and let's fucking go. Let's do this together. I love that. That is so, so powerful, Anne Britt. It's, it's amazing how when you get your own message clear and out into the world, who it ends up speaking to and attracting into your orbit. That is just, that's so, mm-hmm. so powerful. I want to know, I'm kind of backing up here a little bit. What were some like mindset money blocks that you personally had to overcome to get to a point that you're at? And especially a point where you are guiding other women on their own money blocks and their own, I guess, standing in the way. Mm, Yes. I love this question, especially as women, we definitely have a lot of healing in the realm of money. The biggest thing for me and when I felt like I had my biggest breakthrough was around healing the parts of me that believed that like achievement and action and doing all the time was where my worthiness came from, right? These conditions, these conditions of my worth, like I'm only worthy if I'm constantly working. I'm only worthy if I'm achieving. I'm only worthy if, you know, X, Y, Z and really making the shift into, it's not about what I do. It's about who I be and then who I am being while I do those things and not doing things from this place of like scarcity and lack of like, oh my God, I have to do this thing because if I don't, I'm a bad person and I'm not going to make money and I'm not worthy and blah, 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 blah. My manifestations aren't going to work. That very fear-based place, which I realized for the first part of my business, I was really operating yeah. from and attaching so much, attaching so much of my, my self-worth to how much money I was making in my business and also to how much I was like performing, achieving, accomplishing, doing. And then I would have these really intense periods of inconsistency because I actually am someone who, if you were to look, if you were to take a step back, like big picture, I actually just naturally have periods of what someone might call inconsistency. But like, that's just how I operate, like my human design, my energy levels, just how I am. I create a lot and then I need some downtime. And I made myself so wrong for that. So wrong for that because I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything. This means I'm like not showing up for my business. This means I'm not committed. And that created this really painful 
loop that I would be in where then, then my motivation for getting back into action was rooted in, well, there's something wrong with me. I need to be doing better. And then that would never really stick. So there was a while in like the first year of my business where it was this really tough, emotionally draining cycle that I was in. And that, you know, I know it might not sound like it's that related to money, but healing that, like literally the next month, I had my first five-figure month and then like consistent five-figure months after that. And it was, again, it was like this deeper level of self-acceptance. That's amazing. Of like, this is just who I am. I'm going to honor my cycles. I'm going to honor how I show up in business. And so to really answer your question, I think the biggest block to overcome is this idea of what it quote unquote should look like to make money. So I I needed to hear this more than probably anybody else in the world today because, <laughs> because I've been in this cycle of I've created a, a, a couple courses in, and, and I'm a wedding photographer. So during that downtime, I start to panic and I go into creation mode. But then whenever sales are slow, I start, and I'm aware of it now, but I'll start filling time with really tedious stuff that is not moving my business forward. But in my mind, I'm like, well, at least I'm working. At least I'm doing something. Like I've got to get a return on my investment because I'm at least showing up today. And so this is something that I've just recently become aware of that I do, that I'm, I'm not moving the needle on my business when I do that stuff. I'm much better off just taking a step back and going mountain biking. And focusing my, on my own, yep. <clears throat> on my own mental health and creative energy. And I also love that you brought up human design because that is something that I was just introduced to a few months ago and I am in love with, but that's a different, different subject for a different day. But what would you tell, what would you tell an entrepreneur, a, a female entrepreneur who is busy keeping busy because they feel like that's where their worth has to come from? What, what would you tell them? Mm. I do love this quote that like busyness is is not a badge. Like nobody's going to come give you a badge because you kept busy today. <laughs> but like, what would you say to someone? Right. Well, I would ask them. I would, I would, we would go into some exploration. I would say, where did you first get this idea that you have to be busy? Like, where does that pattern for you in your life come from? Because it's really important to get to the root of why is this part of your behavior? Why is this part of your belief system? And so looking back, you know, I would ask, when was the first time as a child that you were taught or modeled that making money requires hard work or being busy? Like for me, it was my mom, especially, and my grandparents even really put so much on achievement. Mm -hmm. Like it was all about getting good grades. It was all about doing well in sports. I remember my grandparents would even like make me feel lazy when I was like on vacation visiting them. And I just wanted to like lay and watch TV. It was like, that was like a bad thing. Like I was a bad person for doing that. So it's like, you got to look back at your own experience and realize this isn't me. It's not my belief. It's not my pattern. It was put there by my parents who got it from their parents. It was put there by society. It was put there by this capitalistic patriarchal system that we live within. And when you're able to separate yourself from it, you're able to notice it so much more. And again, without making yourself wrong and be like, oh, wow. Okay. So that's why I do that. And then the next inquiry is, well, is it actually true? Like, is it actually ultimately true that I have to be busy and doing stuff all the time in order to make money. And then you look for evidence in other people, in other situations where it's not, right? And there are so many people out there who, especially nowadays that we get to witness the evidence through social media of, yeah, like, of course women are out there working hard. But it's not hard work for the sake of hard work. So you have these examples of people who, on the one hand, work really, really hard and are always doing things who don't have that much money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard, gruesome work. 
right? It's like there's teachers, there's restaurant workers, there's labor, like, you know, manual labor. It's like if if it were true that you had to be busy and doing things all day long in order to make money, those people would be millionaires, yep. <laughs> right? My grandfather worked in the coal mines. Like it's those, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's no wonder that that's where they got this idea from. Exactly. And it's like, it's, we inherit through our DNA. It's like, ancestral patterning. So doing this work is ancestral healing. Like it is the most admirable, honorable work that you can do. And as entrepreneurs, especially as female entrepreneurs, we are hugely initiated into it. Whether we like it or not, that is part of entrepreneurship is looking at what needs to be healed but it's such a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. And also I truly believe what part of what your karma is, part of what you were put on this planet to do because your soul, your soul chose to incarnate on this planet right now for a reason. Your soul chose to be a business owner, a CEO, a leader for a reason. And part of that reason is you saying, This ancestral trauma that is based around scarcity, based around fear, it ends with me. And I'm the one who gets to tell a new story. I'm the one that gets to be evidence for a new generation. I'm the one where in my family growing up, I'm not going to be the one to say, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard to make money. You're being lazy, whatever it may be, right? And I just think that that is such, it's a big responsibility, but it's so beautiful. And something that I say is put me in God, put me in God. Like I am here, we're doing this. And it's so funny because I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a, um, with a Danae elder, a native American woman who was basically saying the exact same thing. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, yes, exactly. She was saying she often speaks with high schoolers and with with kids and tries to, you know, just make them feel better about what they're here to do and what they are capable of and the lives that they get to live. And she's like, it's literally like there's this, this soul version of you out there in the universe with creator tugging on God on creator's pocket being like, put me in coach, put me in, put me in. Like I'm ready. I'm here. Let's do this. And I was like, yes, like that's exactly it. And you know, sometimes it feels like, God damn it. Like why? But when you're able to see it as this beautiful, beautiful responsibility and this, it's like, yes, you chose this, but you were also chosen. Oh my God. Like you were the one that said, put me, you were the one that said, put me in God. And God was like, yep. Yeah. You're right. Let's do this. I, you're going in. <laughs> that is so, that's so incredible. And it's, it's, oh my gosh, I, I just love this. And this is, so this is kind of leading me to a different vein, I guess. I, but in, in the same realm, I have recently been thinking like this, this idea came to me from probably a book or a podcast, but if, if money was in the hands of women, how differently our world would look. And I know that this is something that you have thought about that you coach on. What's your take on that? Like if, if money was truly in the hands of women, how would the world look differently? Do you think? Because you, you work with millionaires or women who are, who are entering that chapter of, of their career and their life and have these big financial goals. So from what you've seen, how different would our world look? Oh man, it would look very different. <laughs> this is a very loaded question. <laughs> it would look Yeah, it would look so different because and you know, I want to believe that there are so many compassionate, heart-centered, open-minded, globally-minded men out there also. Absolutely. And at the same time, just with the the difference in what a woman is versus what a man is, right? Women are so much more big picture minded. Women mm-hmm. are so much more, we just have that nurturing capacity more. We have that compassionate capacity more. We have a way of being where it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, like the feminine way is it's about the process. It's about the journey. It's a much more holistic view where the masculine way is it's like there's one goal, one track mind. We have to get the task done and that is what we're here to do. And I think, I believe that that has created a lot of problems with where we're at in the world in terms of greed, in terms of capitalism, in terms of how we use money, because it's like there's this obsession for the end goal, even if you realize halfway through, oh, wait, this isn't actually going to work. This isn't actually what's best for everyone. Whereas women can see how something can benefit everyone. They can, they're able to change course. They're able to course correct. They're able to pivot. They're able to, again, have that holistic viewpoint. And where I really see that on like a global impact scale is the ability to see how I can succeed and you can succeed. I can Mm -hmm. succeed and the planet can thrive. I can succeed and we can support indigenous nations and we can support sex trafficking and or ending sex trafficking. Like, I think there's just this when I win, you win perspective that isn't quite there with the masculine capitalistic lens of like a zero sum game. Right. Right. And that, that is so beautifully and eloquently said. <laughs> That's an amazing, amazing picture that you just painted. I absolutely, absolutely love that, Anne Britt. Yeah, it's definitely something that I that I think about a lot. You know, being a woman who, like I call myself a millionaire in a making, in the making, I'm the CEO of a million dollar company in the making. And so I think about that a lot of like, well, why? Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to have a million dollar company in the world? And it's so much bigger than just even like the quality of life that I would have and the opportunities that I would have. And I believe that women are really able to see that. And that's why there are so many women becoming millionaires right now. Yeah, because absolutely. Because there's a deeper why around the money. And this ability to not only see it, but then once the money comes, act on it of like, you know, one of my big beliefs around money that has helped me so much is truly, truly, truly believing when I make more money, everyone around me benefits. When I make more money, it is for the greater good of humanity because of who I am and how I engage with money, how I circulate money. And then, of course, it requires actually walking that talk and being the embodiment of that wealth expression, of that wealth identity, but going at it from that intention from the beginning is what women are really bringing to the forefront of this money conversation of like, well, why do you want it and how is it going to benefit the world? Because once you're clear on that, And once you're grounded in that, and once you're embodying that, you really truly do open up to so much more abundance. Well, and I think whenever you're leading with that, one of the things that I'm big on is act like it now. Act like you're a millionaire now, and that's going to come. Like if if that means like, so today, one of my favorite things to do is buy coffee for the person behind me. I went to the coffee shop. I got a $10 gift card and handed it to the person behind me. Did that cost me a hundred million bajillion dollars like donating to a cause? No, but it made one person's day brighter. And by just doing something, this small gesture of like, it's $10. I don't need this $10. It belongs to somebody else. Acting like there's a million dollars in my bank account is how I can show up for the world now and let the universe know now this is what my plan is on a much bigger scale once there's once I do have this million dollars, but I'm going to start acting like it today. Yes, exactly. I love that. I love that, especially acting like it in terms of the generosity piece. Yeah. Oh, I think, I mean, generosity is how I like to lead my business at least. And so And not just like financially, but also how I treat people whenever they're going through a rough time. I mean, I, you and I both coach and 
I almost always have one or two people drop out of my coaching course. I always lead with compassion. Always, always. Yes, I do have it in writing that they're going to pay, but like I I can choose how I want to lead. Yeah. Again, just show up as a as I have like, you know, pretending I already have a million dollars in the bank. So, I'm going to lead with compassion because I can because this is about something much bigger than, you know, money or whatever. But yeah, I, I definitely think generosity is one of the biggest ways to tell the universe, I'm ready for more. Here I am. Please, please start sending it because I'm, I'm just ready. Um, and Britt, I want to know, we're going to start wrapping up our time together, but I am just so curious what self-love and self-care looks like for you, like whether it's your, your hobbies outside of coaching and just how you, how you express to yourself gratitude. What does that look like for you? Mm, I love this question. So I'm big on play. That is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. I really integrate that into my business. Like some of my favorite rules that I've created for myself are the more fun I have, the more money I make, the more I play, the more money I make. Because for me, truly, I believe and I know and I have the proof (laughs) and the experience, like when I'm living my best life, I show up in the very best way for everyone around me, for my clients, for the women who are going to be my clients, for my audience, for everyone to not only give that example and show them what's possible, but also like that's when I feel the most connected to my, to God, right? Like to spirit, to source, to creator, to the open channel that is here to like the channel that I am meant to be, right? And so for me, doing things that fill me up, doing things that bring me joy, that make me just that bliss, that ecstasy, I know how important that is to my business, to my movement, to everything. So I really do my best (laughs) to prioritize. Um, Like I love skiing. I love playing outside. I love going to the beach. I love camping. I love dancing, live music. I recently started learning how to roller skate and I love going out and roller skating and just like (laughs) being silly and like dressing up and wearing fabulous outfits and just being being ridiculous and being extra and like being that most self-expressed version of me. Like that really is my biggest form of self-love is just letting myself go out and play and have fun and do the silly things that I want to do. And then on a deeper level, like really honoring, kind of like what we were talking about before, really honoring my time, giving myself lots of time to rest when I need it. You know, I'm huge. I meditate almost every day. I journal almost every day. I actually created my own self love ritual that I that I sell to my clients. It's only $22. It's like crazy accessible. And I go back to that all the time. Like self-forgiveness, embodiment work. Oh my goodness. Embodiment work has changed my life. Oh my gosh. I I love seeing all your posts about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that I do, but mostly it's just really listening to myself and what I need. And if it's like, okay, I need a day to go play. I will give myself that. I need a day to rest and be with nature and just sit and listen and journal. I will give myself that. And trusting, getting to the place where I trust that that is actually what's going to serve me better than the belief. Again, going back to what we were talking about before of like, no, I have to like do this task. I have to accomplish this thing. And that, yeah, to me, like that really is the biggest, most ultimate form of self-love and self-care is just the ability to really listen and then not only listen, but then give it to yourself. I love that. And play is one of those things that disappears once we become self-aware of the people around us and their opinions. And so that, I mean, I have two toddlers, so I am relearning what play looks like for me. That's, that's such a beautiful way to, to love yourself. This is my last question and I'm so excited to hear your answer and, and we'll, we'll wrap up our time. But and Britt, when was the last time that you didn't feel like enough? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, every single day I have those moments. I would say the the biggest 
the most like palpable memory I have of it. It always happens when I'm getting ready to up level in my brand and in my business and launch something. So yes, up leveling the the up level flu. Oh yeah. So last month I recreated an old program. Um, this, this three month container that I have for women who are just starting out in their business. And I'd offered it five times before, but I, changed the name. I changed the branding. I changed the whole vibe. I did a whole photo shoot around it. I invested the most money I've ever invested into a program before, like of the launch of it, the branding, the marketing. I flew, I went on a trip as part of my launch for it. Like I really went all out and all in and was really met with that. Like, oh God, what if this, what if this doesn't work? What if it's not good enough? (laughs) What if I'm putting all of this effort in? And none of it's going to work. And I'm able now in those moments to be like, this is just part of it. I wouldn't be going big enough if this feeling, if this thought didn't come in. So I'm able, it still feels very real. It still feels very real and I can get caught up in it. But I, I will say that looking back on my journey, I'm so proud and so grateful to be at the point today where I can be with it and I can feel the feelings and I can still feel the fear or the rejection or like whatever it is. And at the same time, be like, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. We're doing it. We're doing it anyway. (laughs) So like, let's just keep going. Yeah. Amber, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. And we're going to have all the ways that you could reach Amber here in the show notes, but I am just so honored that you were here today with us and can't thank you enough for, for showing up so, so authentically for us today. Mm, Thank you so much, Taylor. It was truly an absolute honor to be here with you and have this conversation. I love it so much. Thank you again. Absolutely. And be sure to check out the show notes to see where you can find Anne Britt. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Anne Britt. Yay. Thanks, Taylor. Bye. Bye, everybody.